It's hard enough to protect us, yet it shatters with incredible ease. This week on In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, we ask, how is glass made? In the shower with Taz and Marcus, 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 in the shower with Taz and Marcus. Hello and welcome to In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, a bite-sized informative podcast designed to be listened to in the shower, but really, you can listen to it wherever you want. The whole point of this podcast is we take the mysteries of the world and we debunk them in a bite-sized chunk. Have you ever wondered if plants had feelings? Or why we have a dominant hand? Or where the idea of a three-course meal came from? Or if pets name their owners? If you've wondered any of those questions, you've come to the right place. We've answered all of those questions on In the Shower with Taz and Marcus and we're about to answer one more. Step into the shower with us as we explain how glass is made. In the shower with Taz and Marcus, 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 in the shower with Taz and Marcus. Do you know what, Taz? Glass has always fascinated me. Um, Genuinely, it's really, I'd like... I remember, like when I when I used to be a choir boy. Like, fun fact: I was a choir boy. How there you go. Is that Marcus as a choir boy? Bonus fact: Yeah, <laughs> I may be six foot tall and covered in hair and a husky dude, but I used to be a little choir boy. Like, I remember looking at the stained glass and like looking at really old glass, and it's like it's always really interested me. Um, and just like you said at the beginning of the episode, it's like something that's strong enough to protect you and give you shelter, and still give you a window to the outside world that can still. Still be so easily shattered You know It's like It kind of has that Superhero quality to it Absolutely And what's more Is that it's one of the Oldest and most versatile Human created materials In the world Can't be that old Like how old are we talking Okay well To give you a little bit Of a timeline 3100 BC The earliest Wait wait wait, 3100 BC BC. Yeah Oh like what? Where? Go on. Sorry. So, yeah. So, three thousand one hundred BC, the earliest glass artifacts were found in Egypt. Oh my days! That's absolutely. That's like five thousand years. Whew. Five thousand years. I know. I know. Just for glass. Mm-hmm. And what about since then? Okay. So since then, six hundred and fifty BC, the first glass making manual was made. Assyrian Assurbanipal's library. You nailed that one. Did I, did I do good? So glass yep. making manual was 650 BC in 1 AD. So one after death. Is it after death? Yeah. After the death of Christ. Yeah, typically. after the death of yeah. Christ. 1 AD, the technique of blowing glass was invented in the Babylon area. Then moving on in 1500, Angelo Baravuer invented cristallo, clear, colourless glass. Moving on from that, 1690, William of Orange passed a law that lifted taxes on distilled spirits and encouraged development and expansion of this industry. And then it became extremely mainstream and widely used from then. Funnily enough, when you said Cristallo there, um, can I give you a little bonus fact? Please. Do you know why Cristal Champagne is called Cristal? No. Because it's one of the only champagnes in the world that's served in a clear bottle. And the reason for that is oh. because the Tsar of Russia, who was a incredibly rich but also loved getting absolutely hammered on champagne was afraid that somebody would hide an explosive device or some kind of poison trap in the bottom like champagne bottles need a thick bottom in the thick dark bottom of a champagne bottle so he commissioned um, clear bottles to be made wow yeah 
there you incredible. go. There That's you really go. There's amazing. a little, there's a little fact. And so to kind of get back to the question, like you, you were thrown away around some amazing dates there. Like going back to three thousand one hundred BC. Like I assume that because you know they weren't exactly, you know, they weren't going onto Google and asking how's last name. Like they're kind of, <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't really have many facilities to do this. Right. It must be kind of easy to produce. Is that? Fair, is well, that a fair like assumption that, to make? That's the assumption, definitely. And, of mm-hmm. course, that would be the case. 3,100 BC, there wasn't very much around. Yeah. But uh, before we go into the production of glass, I suppose just a little bit of an explainer of what glass is. Would I be right in guessing that it's kind of liquid sand? Correct. It's, yeah. Correct. So, believe it or not, glass is made from liquid sand. You can make glass by heating just ordinary sand, which is mostly made of silicon dioxide, until it melts and turns into a liquid. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's like I didn't know that like it was just normal sand. I thought it was maybe like a special VIP sand or something <laughs> like that. Surely it has to be heated to like an insane temperature though. Um, otherwise, you know, we'd have fossilized beach bathers in our window panes and kind of. Imagine you know, if that like, happened in our window panes. There were remnants of sunglasses, or buckets, or spades, or even starfish. <laughs> so come here. What temperatures are we talking for uh, for sand? Okay, so sand melts, as you would imagine, at an extremely, extremely high temperature of one thousand seven hundred degrees Celsius, which is about three thousand and ninety degrees Fahrenheit. So extremely warm. That is hot. When, uh, when molten sand cools, it doesn't turn back into the gritty yellow stuff you started out with. It undergoes a complete transformation and gains an entirely different inner structure. So by heating all these tiny grains and then cooling it, they kind of turn into a solid mass. Sort of. It doesn't really matter how much you cool sand. It never quite sets into a 100% solid. Instead, it becomes a kind of frozen liquid or, mat- or what materials scientists refer to as an amorphous solid. An amorphous solid? Yeah, so like, so an amorphous solid is like a cross between a solid and a liquid with some of the crystalline order of a solid and some of the molecular randomness of a liquid. So uh, what do you call a food that's crossed between a solid and a liquid with the crystalline order of solid and some of the molecular randomness of a liquid? What? An amorphous salad. I don't get it. It's an amorphous solid. Oh, Okay. <laughs> we'll be writing that out of the episode. <laughs> so, an amorphous solid to kind of is it's like both liquid and solid, but it's more solid than it is liquid. Is that kind of correct? Correct. Right, so, okay. glass is an amorphous solid, and the reason it's such a popular material in our homes is because it has all kinds of really, really useful properties. Apart from being transparent, it's inexpensive to make. It's easy to shape when it's molten. Reasonably resistant to heat when it's set. Because the boiling point is obviously so high, it has a decent heat resistance. Exactly. Exactly. It's also chemically inert, which means it doesn't react to things. Is that why, like, you, you can have a pint glass because it's not reacting to beer or like a glass container because it's not reacting to jam or a, a preserved jellyfish or whatever you're putting into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's chemically inert. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't react with anything. And another absolute winner is that it can be recycled any number of times and it's 100% recyclable. It's 100 Okay, so like compared to other materials which have to be filtered and everything, glass, you can just bang it back into a thing and it'll melt back. It, it can be recycled a number of times, which is even better. That's amazing. So glass is... Kind of a perfect material. Like it's it's cheap to make, it's resistant, it's recyclable, it is reliable, it has a high boiling point, it's inert. Um we know it's made from sand, but how exactly is it made? Surely it's not carried out in the open. You know, you have to probably 
contain that kind of thing. Well, actually, bonus fact, when US scientists tested a prototype of an atomic bomb in the New Mexico desert in about 1945, the explosion turned the sand in the immediate area of the impact into glass. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. So you're saying that like the bomb created so much pressure and heat in that immediate area that it actually crystallized the sand instant. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? Well, just remind me to not stand directly at the blast of an atomic bomb. (laughs) But um, but fortunately, there are, of course, easier and less extreme ways of making glass. But all of them, as you'd imagine, need immense amounts of heat. So basically, I just need to be around because I'm so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in a commercial... (laughs) I didn't write that, by the way, listeners, just for full clarification. (laughs) Okay, so in a commercial glass plant, sand is mixed with waste glass from recycled collections, soda ash, which is sodium carbonate, and limestone, calcium carbonate, and heated in a furnace. So waste glass, sand, soda ash, and limestone. Why all of these things, if you can make it from just sand? Okay, so... Soda reduces the sand's melting point, which helps, as you'd imagine, to save energy during manufacturing. So they don't have to bring the sand up to a temperature that's so high that it's going to be extremely, extremely... Costly and difficult. Costly and and difficult, exactly. But it has an unfortunate throwback. So although the, the soda reduces the sand's melting point, it produces a kind of glass that would dissolve in water. That would be the most inconvenient glass of water of all time. Worst windows... Of all time, the sunroof on your car, absolutely. Pint glasses. Yeah. Oh my God, that is just, imagine you pick a pint glass up off the barn, you go to fill it with Guinness and it melts in your hands know, like your tragic. dreams flowing through your fingers. <laughs> oh. I know, so, so bleak. So anyway, the limestone is added to stop that happening and the end product is called soda lime silica glass. It's the ordinary glass that we see all around us. And then when it's molted, it or when it's molten, rather, it's moulded into the shapes that we need. Once the sand is melted, it's either poured into moulds to make bottles, glasses and other containers, or floated, which is, which means that it's poured on top of a big vat of molten tin metal to make perfectly thin, flat sheets of glass for windows. I never knew that's how they made windows. I thought that they kind of rolled them or something. So they pour them on, like, big... Vats of molten tin. Yeah, so imagine a massive container oh. of, of liquid tin I'm that look when up of that. you put yeah. the, the glass on top of it, it just flattens it in a perfectly flat sheet. Glass. Yeah, yeah. And then unusual glass containers are still sometimes made by blowing them. A gob, which is kind of like a lump of molten gob. glass, <laughs> is wrapped around an open pipe, which is slowly rotated. Air is blown through the pipe's end, causing the glass to blow up like a balloon. With skillful blowing and turning, all kinds of amazing shapes can be made. Do you know what? There's a place just off Venice. It's an island where they make the finest blown glass in the world. I, I forget what it's called. Um, but if you type in Venice glass blowing, you'll see. And they make all these incredible, incredible like glass sculptures and everything Yeah, because like they blow and twist and oh, poke. And, yeah, it's but incredible. Even, like there's, there's actually like some of the physical characteristics of glass are absolutely insane. I've always wanted to try it. I know. Just because it looks satisfying. And they make it look so easy. If you watch somebody who's good at blowing glass try to blow glass, it on like it looks as easy as as, yeah, simple. as just breathing. Like it's and then when you see videos of people, you know, like who are invited in to blow glass trying to blow it, it they inevitably just make a mess on the floor. They just make a lump of like molten glass. It's amazing. Yeah. So much respect. If you're a glass blower 
and you're listening to this, send us a message and I will send you a care package of three cans of beer. Wow, Marcus. If, if you send us back blown glass. But, um, yeah, you need to include evidence that you're at last blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just say. <laughs> 10,000 people send back just, I'm at last blower. <laughs> 30,000 cans later. <laughs> so glass makers as a whole use a slightly different process depending on the type of glass they want to make. Usually other chemicals are added to change the appearance or the properties of the finished glass. For example, iron and chromium-based chemicals are added to molten sand to make a kind of green-tinted glass, like the kind of glass you would have seen in your stained glass windows when you were a choir boy. Okay, when I was a choir boy, just hammering that home. <laughs> um, so how do they go about actually strengthening glass? Like, you know, say, oven-proof glass, which I, I suppose is kind of just like slightly thicker glass, you know, has a higher boiling point or melting point. But then what about, like, bulletproof glass? Like, I said, do you know, like, early bulletproof glass? I saw a video of this the other day. Like when it was invented in whatever, like in the 1950s or something, they used to, like as a sales pitch, just hold a pane of it and have people shoot at them. Jeez. Like you wouldn't get that past your uh, your HR department. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the how to strengthen glass is kind of the different ways to do it. Ovenproof borosilicate, which is kind of wild widely sold under the trademark Pyrex, which we all know, mm-hmm. is made by adding boron oxide to the molten mixture. And then moving on from that, like you said about Bulletproof glass, it's made from a sandwich, sort of. Our Bulletproof glass is made from a sandwich. <laughs> our laminate of many layers of glass <laughs> and plastic bound together. I got really excited when you said that. Just, I thought that, you know, like regular glass is made out of melted sand. But then bulletproof glass is made out of melted sand, melted which sandwich. I was like, wow, does the world's wonders know no bounds? Just like people in the bulletproof glass factory being like, here, PJ, will you throw another BLT into the vat? <laughs> and then those people, PJ would be called a sand witch. Oh. The sand witch turns the sand into sand. Okay. We're, yeah. We're, can you imagine you went into a, a pub and got a toasty and they overheated it and they just handed you back bulletproof glass? <laughs> that would be, just, you know what? I'm just imagining like a giant George Foreman toasted sandwich maker just with like, you know, with glass inside. Do you know what? I've watched a video and it's actually not too much more really? different than that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh my God. Then you might what, what a time to be alive. What a time to be on alive. On so many accounts. Do you know what? Like glass is honestly, it's cool. It's one of those things that you use every single day and you probably take a little bit for granted. But it's awesome. Actually, isn't it used for Wi-Fi? You're correct. Um, we did an episode <laughs> on how Wi-Fi works. And it's all through like tiny little optical fibres which are glass, aren't they? Absolutely. So when you check for Instalikes over breakfast, speed of light internet data zips to your home through optical fibres, which you said, of course, Marcus, are in actual fact glass. At the same time, when you're sitting down to eat your breakfast, checking your likes, sunlight streams through the heat reflective windows that are keeping you nice and cool or nice and toasty inside. When you're reading all those comments on your latest Insta pic, you're reading them through the glass LCD panel on your laptop or the toughened Gorilla Glass of your smartphone. Literally, in five minutes in the morning, you are surrounded by and using so much glass. Yeah, when they say like, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Yes. What I've learned from this episode is everything is glass. Everything we use is glass. so much glass. We use so much glass and there are loads more places you'll find it hiding. From the bulbs and thermometers and the cement fillings in teeth to the fiberglass holes of boats, the sandpaper we use to decorate. So many uses. Glass really is the superhero of the household material. Um, any facts to end this episode? We sure do. Right. So, we did an episode 
on plastic recently and why plastic is so bad and it scared not only Marks and I but it scared a lot of you. Good news about glass, it's 100% recyclable as we said and can be recycled endlessly without loss in quality or without loss in purity. That's why where possible you should always buy jars instead of plastic bottles. It's amazing that it can be endlessly recycled. Endlessly recycled. Endlessly. Just like that's amazing. Like that is honestly superhero level. As opposed to buying something that's one use disposable. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Do you have another fact? I do indeed. So this one is great. You're gonna like it. Okay. Many glass making terms have entered our language. For example, shut your gob. This refers to a molten lump of glass, which is called a gob, like we chatted about earlier. Yeah. So shut your gob refers to that. Another example derived from when a glass blower used a tube to blow the glass into a shape, which made his cheeks go very, very large, like when you would blow. Now someone with a big mouth is told they have a big gob. So, but any colloquialism of gob comes back to glass blowing. Yep. So shut your gob is actually just like close your close your tube. Close your tube. And a big gob is because like you, get, you had the cheeks. Yeah, you had a big mouth when you were blowing glass when you were blowing right, a gob. Okay. I actually use both of those phrases on the regular. That's, well. It's, I know, I, they're I, good, I, aren't they? Yeah, took those for granted. One more. One more, okay. One more. When glass breaks, the cracks move at a speed of about 3,000 miles per hour. What? 3,000 miles per hour. Glass is class. In the shower with Tazimarcus, 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 in the shower with Tazimarcus. Glass is class. What a way to end the episode, Marcus. Glass is. There's just so much to it. So much to <laughs> so it. So much to it. It's just, oh my God, it's smashing, oh. cracking episode. Oh, um, come on, come on. I'd think of more, but it's a bit of a pain. Oh. Oh, that's sheet. Uh, I can't bottle it up. Oh, okay. I'm um, going gonna, to, guys, thank you. Don't just put this one in the jar. Yeah? All good. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of In the Share with Taz and Marcus. If you are new to the podcast, then good news, we have over 70 episodes answering every question you could imagine in the time it takes you to shower. If you like the podcast and you want to help us grow it and you want to support us, which hopefully you do, um, please tell your friends or your colleagues or someone in your family about uh, about In the Share with Taz and Marcus podcast spread hugely through word of mouth. And you would be very nice to do that. If you felt like sharing one of our episodes on any of your social media or, as Marcus said, around your office or to your friends and family, it will be much appreciated. And likewise, if you have a question that you would like us to answer, you can send the question to intheshowerpodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can get us on all of your social medias. Just look up at In The Shower Pod on Instagram and Twitter or just search for In The Shower with Taz and Marcus on Facebook. Couldn't be easier. We'll be there. There's options to send us messages. You can follow us. You can share it to your page. We can all have a good time using the power of social media. Social media. Okay, so before social. we before we uh, we reveal what next week's question is, a few thank yous to wrap up the episode. Big thank you to Alan and Paddy and all the crew in the Headstuff Podcast Network. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. So thumbs up, you big sexy legends. Thanks so much, Flo Robinson, for our cover art. Dave Gertzman, thank you all the way in the States creating our theme song. Uh, thank you very much, Dave. For creating both their theme songs. Yeah. Check them out on uh, Instagram, Dave's Recordorama. Top dude. And finally, thank you so much to you for dedicating your ears to us for the last 15 or so minutes. You look great today. I hope the assimilation of our voices into your head have made your day a little bit better. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, next week's question is, is one that actually melted my brain. What is it, Marcus? Uh, it comes from Joey Carolyn. 
in Dublin, and it um, does space end. That episode is going to be out next Monday in time for your morning shower. But in the meantime, keep scrubbing. In the shower with Marcus. 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 This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 